When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And we're live. One, two, What's up, everybody? Welcome to West Five Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and licking your wounds. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. I'm joined as always by Jordan Pinto. He's at Game Day Shorts. And we're also joined by a special guest tonight, Jake Lance. Um, on Twitter, he is at Night Stare. Um, so we are coming off the defeat in Morgantown to Kansas. Um, a lot on our minds, I think a lot on the fan base's minds. Um, and yeah, I think this is a, uh, a, a lot more loosely structured podcast than usual. Maybe a little rant, maybe a little get it off your chest. Um, so kind of just want to start with a wellness check. Uh, Jordan, how are you? Uh, how are you hanging in there today? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. It's the low point of uh, definitely the low point of the Neil Brown era. I think we were kind of talking yesterday, like, do we even want to do this? Um, and I don't think that I did. I can't imagine that the people, people out there, our listeners, you know, are even going to care to listen to this because it's just so depressing right now. Um, but ultimately, I think we we decided that maybe venting to each other a little bit could be cathartic. So that's that. I'm here for the catharsis right now. Yeah, Jake, how are you feeling today? We're we're recording this a day after the game, by the way. Uh, I'm coming off the numbness, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I I had kind of gotten myself to the point of, okay, there's no way that they can lose to Kansas. You know, I was a little down on what they would do at Pitt, but there's no way they're going to lose at Kansas. And then they did, and they did in probably the most horrific fashion that they could. So the numbness has kind of worn away now, and, and the realization of, where do we go from here might not be where we wanted to go from here 14 days ago. So, yeah, no big, big shift. I think in the uh, enthusiasm, I mean, every college football season uh, brings that new wave of, of hope. And uh, you know, this is our year and, you know, starting with exciting games and all these expectations and yeah, the mood is, has really shifted in the last, what is it? 15, 16 days um th- things have changed a lot so and yeah i think numb is a fantastic word because that's how i felt as well um you know you, you start off quick versus kansas think this is just going to be what it usually is and uh almost a a lulling to sleep it felt like where you, you kind of suspended disbelief and it just continued and continued and uh you end up where you end up and i mean despite the uh the comeback forcing over time all that uh you know it's a results business and 
you lose to Kansas. I mean, that's just something you can't do. You can't lose to the bottom feeder, even if they are much improved. Um, so, I mean, any insights on the game? Any any takeaways? Who's to blame? You know, I, I think just anything's fair game. Um, yeah, so I'll start, I guess. Uh, you know, I was hesitant to even look for positives in this just because it's such an unacceptable uh, outcome. But, you know, it's like you look at this and and the offense is great, right? JT is great. Bryce Ford Wheaton is literally looking like Kevin White out there. Um, you know, I think he's finally kind of tapping into some of that potential that, that we've always kind of seen in him. Um, CJ's awesome. Caden Prather came alive a little bit. We put up 40 points for, you know, just a second time in the Neil Brown era. And, like, nobody gives a shit about any of that stuff because, first of all, you lose, but you let Kansas hang, I mean, 55 points. Um, literally the worst offensive showing that I can remember. Um, you know, penalties, stupid mistakes, players are out there fighting with each other. Um, literally didn't feel like we could, you know, get off the field for basically the last three quarters of the game once they kind of leaned into that triple option stuff. Um, and it didn't feel like there were any adjustments. I don't know. It just, it didn't, you know, we, we keep hearing this is a team of fighters, this is a team of fighters. Looked like the offense was fighting, but I didn't see much from the defense. So I don't know. Pretty disappointing. Yeah, for me, I think it, it's the emergence of Bryce Ford Wheaton. You know, kind of coming into the season, my biggest thing was I knew JT Daniels was going to be good because he had the pedigree. He's a five-star quarterback. You know, West Virginia, when they get uh, top-tier quarterbacks, those guys tend to produce. But up until now, those wide receivers had not really done anything. You know, last year, we could we throw a 50-50 ball, and it just no, – nothing happened. You know, those guys weren't fighting for balls. They weren't catching balls. They weren't doing anything. And right now, Bryce Ford Wheaton looks like a Bolitnikoff candidate. Um, you know, he and JT Daniels have gone outside and thrown 10,000 balls and caught 10,000 balls. They know where each other's going to be. So it's the emergence of Bryce Ford Wheaton who actually looks like, you know, a star wide receiver, which we haven't had in three years. Yeah, very true. And, and his numbers are are fantastic. Um, I saw PFF tweeted today, you know, flexing Jordan Addison's numbers through two games. He has 12 catches, 225 yards and four touchdowns. Bryce Ford Wheaton has 20 catches, 250 yards and four touchdowns uh, against two power five opponents. Say what you will about Kansas. Um, yeah, I mean, he's really, really stepped up. And it's a shame that it's kind of being overshadowed um, just by, you know, the the reality that we're sitting in right now. Um, the offense was fun. The offense, you know, you, uh, look at the first half, you have four real drives, you score a touchdown on all of them. And then, you know, you run the clock out to the end of the half. Um, you really only stopped one time. Um, and you, you, you tell your offense, you're going to score every time, but once down the field and you're going to lose the game. And, uh, that's pretty defeating. And, you know, that's just, it, it stinks when, when football gets one-sided like that, because the defense letting up you know, a regulation 42 and somehow a 55 in overtime to Kansas, just you lose by as many as you possibly can in overtime. I mean, it's just, uh, it makes you sick to your stomach. Yeah, man. I think that's, that's like the, the toughest pill to swallow about all this. Right. Cause I think, you know, in, in a lot of our deep dive stuff over the summer, um, we had kind of sold ourselves based on the track record of the defense over the first three years here that, um, you know, we lose some guys in the portal, uh, but, we bring some guys in, um, maybe sold a little bit of snake oil with how good those guys were, you know, but there was a path, right? You know, we brought some FCS guys in, but we'd already seen Charles Woods emerge as an FCS guy. So it was easy to talk yourself into, you know, that's going to continue with Marcus Floyd. That's going to continue with, uh, you know, just your Cox guys like that. Um, and it just, it sucks. Cause if you put this offense with any of the defenses over the last three years, it's just like, it looks like a 10 win team, right? Like, I mean, we have an offense that seems like it can probably put up 35 or 40 points every time they go out on the field. Um, and now, and now, uh, instead of a top 20, top 30 defense, which is what we've had, we, you know, it looks like we're probably going to be in the bottom 20 or bottom 30. So, uh, it's just, it, it just, just, if it's not one thing, it's the other, right? So. Yeah, great point. I mean, you know, when you when you watch the team last night, I do think that Kansas was they were doing good things. Kansas looked improved to me. Um, oh, I think yeah. they had a tremendous game plan. They knew their strengths and they knew the the you know the the ways they wanted to attack this defense. Um, you know, I'm curious how does this you know maybe kind of taking a broader look at this in terms of Neil Brown or the whole season as a whole. You know, 
is there coming back from this game? What if Kansas is a is a bowl eligible team? Like, what if this Kansas team is uh, under the radar and actually respectable and and just sort of, you know, you got to move forward. There's still ten guaranteed games on the season. You know, you got to play them. So, is there coming back do, from this? Do we really have to though? <laughs> For me, it, it's two parts here. There is coming back from this. I mean, if for somehow they go into Towson and they, you know, 55 to 7, 63 to nothing, whatever, and they, they kind of find themselves, they have their come to Jesus moment, they go in and they beat Virginia Tech and, and it's not close. Like, I, I think it's probably one of the biggest things is you have to go beat Virginia Tech and it, it can't be a we survived and we almost gave it away like we did last year. You need to go in there and thump those guys and, and you know, completely step on their throat in the first quarter and, and make that make them quit early and then somehow get on a roll. And if you finish the year at seven and five, I think there's coming back from this. Now, are, are, if you're asking me if we're, if it's, if we are going to go seven and five, I think the, the outlook right now is very, very grim, but you know, if you go seven and five after going zero and two, so you went seven and three, which means you had to have beaten Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State. You have to have beaten one of those four, right? And, and everyone else, too. And everyone else. So, you know, th- there's, a, there's a path there where I think, you know, if we finish 7-5, you go to some bowl, you finish 8-5 after starting 0-2, yeah, you know, we, we could say, hey, he righted the ship and did things. I, I don't know that you can do that. For me... I don't care. I don't care if Kansas goes 12 and 0 this year. Like it, it's unacceptable to lose to Kansas. Like there is no way that Kansas went to what they go 2 and 10 last year. Yep. There's no way they went 2 and 10 last year and that they are that much better than us this year. It just it can't happen because if it is, that's a bigger referendum on Neil Brown. You just you're telling me that in 4 years we can't get over the 6 win mark in Kansas in the second year of a guy, of of uh, Leopold is now, you know, a bowl eligible team. They went, they had a four game improvement and we can't get over the six win mark. Unacceptable. Yeah, no. And, you know, I think that's a good point of, of the really being, you know, I think we talked about it. Some in the, the musket talks is just, you know, getting lapped by other schools, you know, look what Baylor did. They went from two win to the big 12 championship in a year. You know, you can't be having a school like Kansas lapping you in, in turning this thing around. Um, you know, Neil Brown's in his fourth season now, five and seven, six and four with an asterisk because you got to miss Kansas that year. And then six and seven, oh, and two. I mean, it's a results business. I think everyone likes Neil Brown as a, as a person, as a leader, as a, you know, seems like a great guy, gets the culture. We can, we can say all these things, but um, you look at the record and it is what it is. And if other schools are turning this thing around with less resources, you know, that, that's, that is just, you know, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I think the the, the thing that's kind of start well, the, the big contrast between us and Kansas um, that I think is concerning is is that you look, and yeah, so it's year two of Leipold. They have an identity, right? I mean, Joel, you kind of brought it up. Like, they know exactly who they are on offense. They know exactly what they're trying to do, how they're trying to attack people. Defensively, it's the same thing, right? Like, they lose a guy like Kyron Johnson. They go out and get another edge rusher like Lonnie Phelps. They're just plugging and playing. Um and, you know, like for, for us, so for, for three years, it didn't feel like the offense knew what it wanted to do. Like we didn't have an offensive identity. Um, you know, say what you want about the quarterback. I'm sure that puts some, some limitations on things. Um, but the defense knew what it wanted to do. And then now the, the whole script has slipped. Like it doesn't feel like the team as a whole has an identity aside from, uh, you know, when we stop somebody in third and five, we're going to rough the pass. Or, or when we finally make a big stop in the second half, we're going to, you know, fumble the punt or, uh, you know, when we have a chance to go down and win the game against Pitt, we're going to drop the pet. Like that's that it feels like that has almost become this team's identity. Um, and, and I don't know that. I mean, obviously those aren't things that good teams do. Um, but I think that's the most concerning contrast between us and Kansas, just in terms of their turnaround versus ours. It's just that like they're, they're, you know, 15 games in and they already, you know, they look like a cohesive football team that is built around a common like theme. So I don't know. It's concerning. Yeah. You could argue they did it in 10 games. I mean, or even yeah. less, you know, they, they started to look respectable at the end of last year. They got some, um, some solid transfers in and yeah, there, there's a vision. And then you, you know, maybe as a comparison, you look at Nebraska, what's happened there over the last handful of years, you know, the Scott Frost experiment, um, he was fired earlier today on Sunday. Um, you know, wh- when does it get to that point where, 
this like losing has like infected the whole system of the program because I don't think Nebraska could get out of their way the last two years. I mean, they found creative and inventive ways to lose games and you're starting to look at this West Virginia team and you feel like you have pit on the ropes and you know, you're playing a team that you're way more talented in in Kansas and um, you're finding ways to lose these games that you feel like you shouldn't. So you know, what, what's that sort of mean for, for Neil Brown and his tenure here at West Virginia right now? I think that's, pro- if you're asking me what's the single biggest problem, I think that's it. I think it's the fact that guys aren't getting better and there's no culture, like, like there, or not even, maybe culture is the wrong word, but there's no identity. There's nothing here that we can say that, you know, this is what we do, you know, I, people will probably shit on me here and, and, and don't like it, but I've always kind of said the defense is good, but it's not a difference maker. You know, it, it's this big wall. It's this big boulder. You kind of got to get around, but if you get around it, Hey, you, you can do things again. And it's always kind of been that way, right? Like, yeah, it stops the run. Yeah. It limits points and whatnot, but there were no takeaways. There was no sacks. There were no havoc plays. I mean, I think Jordan and I talked about this before of just like, you know, there was no one, there's no difference maker on this team. So there's yeah. no, there's no identity. And, and up until now, offensively, we had nothing. I mean, we couldn't do anything. So how do you convince people or convince players or convince, like, how do you know what players to get? Nick Saban has always said, you know, I'm going after this type of safety, this type of linebacker, this type of offensive lineman, because he has a certain idea in his mind. And to, and to me, it's, I've never seen anything. We kind of heard about it before, you know, it sounded like finally after three years, they wanted to get faster on defense, but nothing's translating. You're just not seeing the, the, the rubber's not meeting the road here. You know, hey, we're building this great car, but it's just still stuck in the shop and nothing's happening. That's what, man, you know, we heard all summer, we're going to get faster, we're going to get more athletic so that we can play more man-to-man. And if you look at the PFF stuff through two games, we're playing, like last year we were about 10% across the board among our defensive backs. This year it's like 1%, 2%, you know? So, like, these guys are faster, more athletic, then why the hell aren't we, like, pressing people, you know? Why are why are our cornerbacks 10 yards off the ball and backpedaling on third and six against can't Like, you know... Kansas has good players. Jalen Daniels is a great player. They have good running backs, stuff like that. That's uh, more than half of the conference is going to have a better set of receivers than those guys. Like, they're fine. They're good players. Um, But those aren't like, you know, that's not like Quentin Johnson out there. That's not Xavier Hutchinson. That's not Xavier Worthy. Like, I mean, there are some dudes dudes in this conference that we're going to have to deal with, you know. And, like, it's just – it's concerning. Like, we, you know – like we, we can't man anybody up. I, I don't feel like a defensive back like made a single play on a ball last night. Um, there was one time Lance Dixon was close, and even then it went like right past his shoulder pad into the tight ends, into the tight ends gut. But if you look like Rashad Ajayi, every time that they threw the ball at him, it was caught. Right, like Luke Graham went up over him one time. Skinner went up, went by him down the down the deep middle of the field one time, and and there's just. Yeah, there's no pl- – I mean, think about our best units over the last uh, – like, especially during the Big 12 era, right? It's dudes like Daryl Worley. It's dudes like uh, Rasul Douglas. Like, those those Gibby teams, I mean, we, we had like 30 – what, 31, 32 turnovers forced one year. Um, and those – because those defenses had an identity. We're like, we're going to have long dudes. We're going to press you. Um, and we're going to pressure you before your guys can get to where they need to be. And we're going to create, you know, turnovers. We're going to get sacks. We're going to get interceptions. We're going to tip balls. Like, I looked – We've only defended, uh, like, deflected six passes through two games this year, which is, you know, in the bottom bottom quarter of the country. Um, like three a game. I mean, that's yeah. it's not very. That's not very. It's awful. It's awful. So, so, I mean, you know, you talk about like good teams take on the identity of their coaches, and we're talking about, you know, what is what is the identity of the West Virginia team, and you know, I think what is the identity of the Neil Brown team? It's conservative, first of all. Yeah. It is afraid to. It's afraid to take the chance. Um, Maybe I would say it's boring. It's not exciting to watch. We haven't been fun the last couple of years, and, and part of that might have just been a quarterback issue. Um, but yeah, the offense is fun this year. The offense is fun this year, yeah. But the the other one, I, I don't know if it's it's kind of hard to articulate. But I, you know, the thing that almost comes to mind is like scared in a weird way of like you're scared to make the big play, scared to not lose the game, scared to like go for the jugular. Um, you know that that and and then of course you know. 
the one great thing I was feeling really good about our special teams after the pit game. You're like, that's, you know, something West Virginia has really struggled, even back to Dana here and there. And then, you know, the just backbreaker special teams mishap yesterday. Um, you know, those are the things that, you know, it's hard to, you, you look at every team's trying to win, right? And every team, every fan base is like, our team inflicts all these wounds. We do all these things. But you look at last night and, you know, every time you you make this, you make one of the very few stops you get in the game and you just immediately give them a 50 yard, you know, field field advantage, move it right down the field. Um, and I feel like that's almost becoming the identity of, of the Neil Brown coach teams. Like, look at that. Look at the Maryland game last year. The same exact shit, right? Like we come up with a big stop on fourth down. We throw an interception right back. Somehow, miraculously, we force another three and out and then we fumble a punt. And Maryland goes down and takes the lead, uh, you know, in what late third quarter, early fourth quarter. So it's, uh, yeah, we were saying before the show, it's it's like <laughs> you're you're just watching the same shitty movie over and over again, waiting for waiting for the you know the good guy to get away or whatever, and just like you know nothing ever changes. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think scared is actually a really good word there. Yeah. It, it 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 almost feels like we're we're scared to be mean. You know, I, I have the issue with my youngest son who's playing football of trying to get him to understand, like, you're not going to hurt guys. Look, they got pads on. You got pads on, man. Go, go pop somebody in the mouth. And that's what it feels like with this team. Just, you know, they get up and they feel like, OK, well, hey, we got a lead. Like, we don't we don't want to embarrass these guys. We don't want to be mean. Dude, man, go shove their face in the mud, man. Like, step on these guys as you get up punch them in the back, like do something, you know? And then, so you take away that aggressiveness on, on these guys and then they finally, they feel like they need to do something and then they go overboard. And that's where we start inflicting wounds. You know, you, you hadn't, it's been what, 30, 40 years since we've been scared to do anything. I mean, we've always been a tough, hard nosed team that was willing to, you want to get mean? Okay. I'll get mean with you. I'll go roll around in the mud with you, you know? And it doesn't feel like we have anybody that's willing to just, you, you hit my quarterback. Oh, oh you, you punch somebody like now it's on. Like we don't have anybody. We, what was Gibby's words? We don't have any dogs. We, we, we need Gabe Osaboyan on both sides of the ball, uh, just as a facilitator, a Dennis Rodman type, really like, you know, I, I, I agree. And also one more thing I would say on the maybe identity of West Virginia team is, um, you know, it's been talk about so much when Neil Brown came in, the attention to detail, doing the little things, right we do the little things wrong pretty consistently. You know, yeah. it's little penalties. It's he even said it in the presser last night, like one of the tight end touchdowns, like, Oh, it's the little things. This guy's supposed to be covering the inside scene, but he's on the outside and they throw the ball. You know, it's like, well, when it, you know, when you do these things consistently and it becomes a habit, it's just who you are. It's your identity at this point. And I've never been able to get around from what we've heard of his attention to detail and how, you know, he's just like, very very by the book and has all these things planned out and all that and then the product on the field it just there's a disconnect it doesn't it's not what has been preached yep agreed we yeah we i mean we've we've been losing games for three years and two games now losing losing games in the margins right Mm -hmm. you know we'll go back and look and it's like shit we outgained kansas state by 110 yards last year how the fuck did we lose that game oh the four turnovers oh okay i get it now or oh, the roughing the passer call on the on the third and fifteen that gave him a first down. You know, um, like last last night again. How many f- false starts? Uh, you know, the one fourth and one on the one yard line. We false start and have to kick a field goal. You know, we st- if we stay on the one yard line and punch that in, then we're driving for the go ahead touchdown at the end of the game instead of the game tying touchdown. You know, just R- roughing the passer on third down in overtime. I mean, in overtime to get absolute him a first backbreaker. Down. Yeah. So okay, so. You know, the elephant in the room is Neil Brown's tenure in West Virginia. And, and you know, I think, uh, you know, every uh, armchair coach and on Twitter, you know, everybody has called for his head. You know, these things don't exist in a vacuum, I think, is the important thing to remember that if Neil Brown goes out, somebody has to come in. You know, how many coaches? There's this buyout. Like, this is an entangled thing. This isn't just like, he's bad, get him out. That It doesn't work like that. So, you know, what are, what is your guys' perspective and sort of thinking about, Neil Brown as it is, is, is it over for you with Neil Brown? And, you know, like I said, can you come back sort of just, you know, what's the landscape moving forward? So we were all kind of talking, um, you know, for me, I'm done. You know, this is, this is, you can't lose to Kansas. It's unacceptable. That's just, it's unacceptable. That said, I also can't just fire him today. Mm. There's too much going on. You know, you've got to think about the players and everything else. Um, 
if I were making a change, it's probably after the Texas game. One, I don't want to overreact. I want to make sure that I, you know, you confirm my suspicions. You know, I, I went through, I wanted to give you every chance in the book and you tightened the rope and strung it up yourself and everything. You know, if we go out there, lay an egg against Virginia Tech and complete are completely inept against Texas, yeah. You've got two weeks at that point. You can make a change. You can bring someone in, give them a chance. It's kind of what they do in the NFL. You know, they kind of wait for the bye week to make a, a quarterback change because you get an extra week. I think that's your best chance. If not, you're waiting through the end of the season. Um, there's something to be said about trying to keep the recruiting class. Um, you know, we can talk about recruiting classes if we feel like it's a better recruitment. Um, but I don't. I don't know how you come back from this because even though Dana Dana won 10 games in 2016, he had Will Greer and was knocking on the door of a national championship and Big 12, people brought up all the time, yeah, but you lost to Kansas in 2013. Like, dude, that was eight years ago. Let, let, let it go. But it was always a thing, and I don't know how you come back from it this year. So I'm done. You know, I've, I've been wanting something, and, and there's there just isn't anything. I, you know, buyout, uh, let's talk about the buyout separately because that's not just Neil's fault. That's a, that's a panic move that happened yeah. a year and a half ago that didn't need to happen. And now we're in a conundrum. Yeah, I think so. Uh, last night at about 1030, I was out, you know, if, if they had just said like, Hey, don't, don't uh, come back to the locker room after the game or whatever last night, I would have been okay with it. Um, I think, and I'm a huge, I'm a huge truster of the climb. I think, uh, so I'm probably a little softer, uh, softer than Jake is at this point today after I've kind of thought about it. Um, I, I think you give him at least a couple weeks. If we, if we go out and lay an egg against Virginia tech, I think we leave him in Blacksburg. Um, but I like, you know, man, it's just going to take such a 180. This, this, this is the thing with this team, right? Where it's it's because you're losing in the margins, because it's small mistakes just stacked on top of each other, you can like kind of convince yourself, well, like, well, shit, if we would just stop fumbling punts or if we would just stop tip drill, pick sixing, you know, t- uh, doing tip drill interceptions for pick sixes, like we'd be 2-0 right now, right? You can sell yourself that lie, but we've been selling ourselves that lie for three plus years now. Um, and so I... I don't yeah, know your, your worldview that you, we talked about last week that you have to now believe Pitt is good. Now you have to believe that Tennessee is great. Pitt's really good. And, and Kansas is going to go to a bowl 10. this year. So, so the, yeah. you know, the lie that, you know, the wheels lie that you have to kind of, you got to tell yourself is, is getting stretched. And it's just a t- <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it I, I feel, yeah, I'm maybe kind of a blend of you guys. I, I don't think that I am. I would not say that I am done but I am like, you are on your last strike. There is no room for error. You have to go, like you said, go handle business in Virginia tech. And then, you know, the Texas game, you know, what if, what if you go in and thump VT by three scores in a night game, and then you go play Texas and you play them and and lose on a last second field goal. Like, is that in Texas is as good as, you know, we think maybe they're a top 20, top 15 team. Does that sell you enough goodwill to get through a couple more games or get the rest of the season? You know, it's tough. You almost hope you go one way or the other. You hope you win, you know, eight of the, the next, you know, 10 games, or you hope you just bottom out and it's an easy decision because um, you see this in sports a lot, but coaches are really good at, you know, winning the last game that they need when their seat is on fire and, you you know, you knock off a top 20 team and buy yourself another half a season. Um yeah, so I, I guess that that is to say I don't make this decision and, and Shane Lyons does and in a way he put himself in this position um, with the the buyout so or with the you know the contract extension. So so what are your thoughts about about all the buyout deal? So let me just go back real quick. So here here's the reason that I'm done because let, let's say you beat Towson and you beat Virginia Tech. So now you're two and two. You lose to Texas, you lose to Baylor, you're two and four. Like, at, at what point do you take control of the season? Like, you need to beat somebody, right? And so, if, if you can't do that, if, if you're always getting to the surface of the water and then falling back down, you haven't proven anything. That's so, that's where, like, I need, I need to see a, you need to go out and first you need a signature win. Like, what, what's our signature win? Is it VT or maybe Iowa State last year, both of whom finished at, 
500. You know, I need to see you go out and go beat somebody you're not supposed to and beat, beat them the way that we were supposed to beat them. Like, don't, oh, they fumbled five times and you, you caught them on a bad day. Like, no, go take that game. Go go pull a Baylor 2014 here where you just you, you beat them straight up. There there was no, no doubt that we were the better team. Go beat them. Um, so as far as the buyout, you know, so just so everyone knows, and so we're all talking apples to apples here, the buyout happened in 2021. Neil Brown had been a, been a coach for two years. We had gone five and seven in, in year zero, which was better than expected. We then went six and four, asterisk. We didn't have to play Oklahoma, but we won a bowl game. Five and seven, six and four. Hey, there's steady progression. There's a climb there. Auburn, South Carolina, head coaching vacancies came up. Rumors swirled that Neil was potentially an option there. And we panicked. And we gave him, we said, okay, here's two more years on your existing deal and changed the buyout language. And that's the biggest issue. Whether or not you wanted to extend them, fine. I get it for recruiting purposes because we dealt with that with Dana where he, he went into a year and he didn't have a contract. And, and his, if you look at that recruiting class, it was like 56 because every time he talked to a recruit, you know, they were like, yeah, but he's going to be gone after the year. Do you really want to go there? And he couldn't get anybody, right? So we, we extended him to give him recruiting advantages, but then we altered the buyout language so that we owed him a hundred percent of his salary through 2024, which means that if we fire him today or fire him before December 31st at 11:59, we owe him $20.2 million. That is egregious. And is, sorry, I just, for clarification, is that through 2026, not 2024? So the yeah. way the, the, the contract is structured, it is, it is his contract is through 2026. Mm-hmm. The buyout is 100% of his salary through 2024. Okay. Got On you. 2025, it drops to 85%. So in 2025, it drops to $7 million, and then in 2026, it's $4 million. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. So... Putting, putting, changing the language that egregiously in favor of the coach absolutely takes the pressure off a coach to win. There, there's no, I mean, the story just came out about Ed Orgeron saying, you're going to give me $17 million to leave. What door do you want me to go out of? Right? Like, what is the, re, like, what, what is the benefit or what is the incentive here? Other than, obviously, there's the coaching and all that, but like, there's no, I'm coaching for my life. You're like, no, I got a $20 million life raft, you know, going on right now. And you're supposed to not write contract. You're not supposed to sign contracts that you can't get out of. That's always the number one thing that they tell you in legal is that as soon as if you're putting this contract out there, you need to be able to get out of it at any point in time. What, what do we do if we got to get out of this thing? Who are we beholden to? Who are we asking for money? Or what coffers are we pilfering? And then what does that do for us? Because now if I have to go to somebody and say, hey, I need $20 million to get rid of this coach, are they going to say, okay, but I get to pick the next one. And then what school do we become? You know, at what point are we then allowing people who shouldn't be making those decisions to make those decisions? <clears throat> we're, uh, we're, we're, we're a little bit fucked here is, is my takeaway. It's not ideal. It's not an ideal scenario. Yeah, it's a tough spot. Um, you know, I think like everyone, I I think everybody wants Neil Brown to succeed or at least wanted Neil Brown to succeed. I think oh, I he gave do. you every every reason to. And, you know, I'm still rooting for the comeback. I'm still rooting for, you know, let's turn this thing around. And, you know, at the end of the year, maybe it's just a rough start. And, you know, you win eight games, seven, eight, you know, whatever it, you know, maybe can be better, but the results business and you know this is just what it is and i think you made a great point about just his his sort of signature win there's so many games that are signature wow man if two different things went different we have a signature win (laughs) and you start to yeah i mean i just kind of was running back through my head like oh man we almost had oklahoma that one time and vt or Pitt would have been a great win and you know it just kind of sprinkles here and there well maryland would have been a nice one but 
um, all of those, you self-inflict wounds and, you know, you find yourself on the wrong side of it. But with that, like, hope of like, oh, well, we're right there. Like, it's it's, it's going to come together. And now you're in season four and you're losing games where it was right there. And, oh, well, if we just, you know, just catch that ball, just go for it on fourth down, just play a little more aggressive. It's right there. So um, it's starting to feel like that that last little bit that we need is unattainable um, or is just not going to, to turn around with this coach. Um, so like I feel like, do you, do you guys watch Hard Knocks at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dan, Dan Campbell did that big symbolic thing where he had the chalk on his pants, and he's like, we just need to get all this losing off of us, man. Just wash the last of this losing off of us. Because it really does feel like it's the same kind of shit, man, right, what, the, what, what we're doing, where it's <laughs> snatching defeat from the jaws of victory consistently for four straight years. I mean, like last year, we told ourselves, oh, we're like three plays from being nine and three last year. You know, and like, were we really? Like maybe we were also a couple plays from being like four and you know four and eight. <laughs> so it's just like oh man, it's tough. Um, on that note, what are the chances that we're seven and two heading into Oklahoma? Because <laughs> I just took a little peek at the schedule, right, and aside so, from aside from Texas, there's a lot of beatable football teams in there. So you know because. It's fun. Hey, I want I want to be positive here. You know? Let's do it. So let's not not guaranteed, but we should beat Towson. Go in, you beat Virginia Tech, right? Texas is now without Quinn Ewers. 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 Yeah. Ewers. Quinn Ewers uh, until for six more weeks. So you're you're getting a different quarterback there. Um, Baylor just lost. You know. They got to come to Morgantown. They've never beaten us in Morgantown. And you got to think if somehow you get to four and you got to think the, the momentum shifts, right? At that point where you get going and then you get Texas tech, TCU, Iowa state, they're all beatable. They're, yep. they're all beatable. Um, you know, I would love nothing more than even if let, let's say, let's say you lose to Baylor, you beat Texas, you lose to Baylor, get on a roll and just, Neil, as your parting gift to West Virginians, you beat Oklahoma. You know, you beat them. You beat them here in Morgantown. Like, thank you, right? Like, like, go, go, do that. Go, go, give me something. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think seven and two is is, is not happening. <laughs> but hey, the chance of let's say you beat Towson and Virginia Tech, you're two and two. Even if you lose to Texas and Baylor, you're two and four. There's nothing that says that you couldn't be. Uh, Five and four going into Oklahoma. Yeah, you're, you're five and four, and you give us our only Big Twelve win against Oklahoma. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Where I'm like, I'm very close, and it's last strike. But you know, you still have opportunities, and if you ever can come through on something like that, you know, it's Oklahoma's been the monkey on our back. I mean, even you know, just like te- beating Texas Tech firmly for once, you know, things like that. It's like you have opportunities to win goodwill back, but you have no more opportunities to lose it. Like I, I think, oh yeah. yeah, in my mind, that is that is sailed. Like you have to win every game you're supposed to, and you need to win like two. You're not. Um, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, no more lives on the cat for sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this kind of goes back to like, what would it take? I mean, if if we go five and one over the next six and then or six and one over the next seven and then beat Oklahoma, like he's not going anywhere and people will. Yeah. So probably not going to happen, but yeah, I mean, right now you are in that, that ex-girlfriend stage, right? You just broke up, but Hey, you both, you both really care for each other and, and you know, you're lonely or, you know, you send the right text or whatever. Everyone's, Everyone's ready to get right back on the ship and support everything. Send a Neil right. Brown a you up text at two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like th- there is no doubt that if, if he writes the ship, the fans are ready to support it. Like people we want are to. willing, oh, man. ready. But my God, like you know, Dana didn't have this kind of support or this kind of willingness. Like there mm-hmm. was always just a portion of the base that was just like you aren't part of us you aren't stew like all of that like he never could he was never going to win those guys over i feel like if if brown can just win the way that dana won you know just start winning games and not just winning games but like we knew we were better and we found three plays that they couldn't defend and we said here you go guys i'm going to run it every single play every single down until you prove that you can do it and when you can't 
I'm going to run the score up, and then guess what? I'm going to go drink. What what does Neil drink? I'm going to go drink sweet tea and, and celebrate, right? But like, like man, just do it. <laughs> like like put some swag bag, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah we have very little swag. I remember seeing a comment last year um, on Reddit. I can't remember which which loss it was after, but it was just like I think that Deggy and Brown is like the least dynamic QB coach combo in Power Five. And it's, it's like the blandest. It's you can it, literally, literally, it is the least dynamic, like least swag possible. I'm looking yeah. back here um, at our past couple years. Of like, who did we really blow out? And NC State, NC State, NC State, State was the only one I can think of. That's the only other time we scored forty points. Yeah. Okay. But like, so here, here's a question. So let let's say Brown is done, and assume you know, assume it's at the end of the year. Who are your Who are your candidates? Who are you looking at? And and bigger point, are you looking at a P five coordinator or are you looking at a guy who? You're looking at a G5 coach. Can we uh, kick the tires on JT Daniels? Is that is that a thing that we could do? <laughs> I'll tell you my two. Here's the two that I'm looking at right now. Bill O'Brien over at, at Alabama, because he did fine when he was at Penn State. Honestly, yeah. forget his NFL stuff. He was a good college coach. The other one is the Western Kentucky guy, Tyson Helton. See, I'd be I'd be really down with with the Western Kentucky guy because that's you're getting an identity, right? It's like okay, we're just gonna we're gonna be uh, you know Mike Leach uh, knockoff or whatever, right? We're gonna throw the ball sixty five times, literally throw the ball eighty percent of the time. But at least you know what you are. You know that I need to recruit a quarterback who can make quick decisions, be accurate. I need to recruit about ten receivers every recruiting class. Um, but yeah, but at least you know what you are. Um, Bill O'Brien, I I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, I mean he's a he, again good good quarterback guy, good offensive guy. So, um, you know, I think Joel Joel and I have kind of said it a lot. Like if if we're going to be shitty, we need to at least be exciting. Um, which I guess we've we've kind of gotten a little bit closer to that this year, right? So, um, we're but, worse, but we're more fun in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, those are those are two good ones. Um. Wouldn't hate. What do, what do you think? I mean, the the dude at Appy State, he's already a Mountaineer. I think that's something. I don't know if he'd he'd want to be. I mean, why would you want to leave the fun belt? But <laughs> I will have to let, let's look him up. Because right, I I was doing this the other day. I was just like looking up coaches, and, and one of the things I wanted to look at was kicking <laughs> tires. Uh, who like who was hired in twenty? You know, I wanted to see who was hired in twenty nineteen and how did they do right. So it, it was something that I looked at, and I was like, you know. We were not in on Ryan Day, so don't 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 give me the we should have hired Ryan Day. Like that wasn't happening, right? And we probably weren't hiring Chris Kleiman because he's a Midwestern guy. He was going to Kansas State. That was it. And then I came across Tyson Helton and went, Okay, how's he doing? Oh shit, he's doing good. Okay. All right. So put him on, you know, in, in the short list here. So right now, Appy State's head coach is Sean Clark, and they are twenty one and eight in his four years there. Yeah, just I think coming that's off a, a big win too. Big, yeah, I think you got to look at him and say they they're you know they're doing good things. They got an identity. He certainly knows what he's doing. He, he's a giant killer. He's got to be on the short list. So the concerning thing there is that you would have said a lot of those same things about Neil Brown in 2019. I do think the distinction though is that if you look at those Troy teams, even even back then when they were winning ten games a year, it was kind of a slog, man. You know, like they were. For an air raid team, they didn't score a whole lot of points. They just had some really good defenses. They took care of the ball. You know, unfortunately, I mean, that's why Neil came in with the re- reputation that he did is because that's who they were at Troy. Like, they weren't a team that beat themselves, um, you know, for whatever reason that hasn't translated to here. Um, but Sean Clark, App State, you know, they're they're a fun team. I mean, we saw him a couple weeks ago hang 60 on, on North Carolina and almost beat North Carolina. So, and then, you know, last week they play a completely different game go into college station and beat Texas A&M. So, um, fun, fun fact about Sean Clark, you know where he's from? Is he, he's from Charleston, isn't he? Yeah. He's from Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. yeah. Um, actually my, uh, my brother-in-law knows him really well. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's funny when you talk about Neil Brown, cause I was thinking about that too, which is like, he was a good hire. Like, like, look, Oh, he was, he was a good hire. Yeah. Good thing. Good. 
you can make a good hire. You can check every box and still not get it right. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it happens all the time. Draft picks. These guys are five tool players, you know, head on their shoulders, everything. And they just don't work out. It happens, you know, and I think there's no real single red flag you can go back and look at and like, man, we missed this. We overlooked this. You know, I think for how he needed to win at Troy in order to beat good teams, he did. And that made sense. Now, could you say that that, that, mentality was going to carry over because I think that probably goes back to your point, Joel, which is I feel like he plays, he still thinks of himself as a, as a small school coach. You know, he still has this, like, we need to get up and then we need to shorten the game and we need to make it a two possession. You know, each of us get two possessions and we go home, which is that works for Troy. That's how you beat LSU. That's how you beat Clemson. Cause they, they want to go fast and they'll shoot themselves in the foot. And all of a sudden they start panicking because they're used to throwing the ball 15 times in the second half and they've had one possession. Like, we don't need to do that. You're better than some of these teams. Like, you get up on Kansas State, you just keep doing it. Just yeah. keep throwing the ball, keep putting points on the board. They will crumble on their own. And, you know, I think that may be the only thing, but I don't know that you could say that that was that you knew that that was coming over here. Like, you know, that's how he needed to beat teams at Troy. And he just, he never made the adjustment. And I think that's the case, and that's just something that happened. So, yeah, I think in terms of G5 guys, there there are lots of guys who are going to sound very similar to Neil, and that's a concern, but it's just something that you have to live with, right? Like yep. there's no nothing you can say like, oh, we're, th- there were issues with Dana that we – there's a reason that we went to Neil, you know, and so we avoided those – you know, we got certain things with Neil, and they are good things. And so there's nothing that I feel like, I don't feel like we need to pivot and then go back to someone like Dana, right? Like you can go get another guy just like Neil and this time he can work out. It, it, it's perfectly, that that can be the right course of action. Yeah, I think that was really well said. I think it was a great hire and it probably is not going to work out. Um, and, and it can still be, a. it still could have felt like a good hire. Like hindsight obviously is twenty twenty. It's 2020 on every fourth down decision to go for it or not. And, you know, all those things, it's just, it's all about success. If you call the play and it worked, it was a great call. You pick the coach and it worked. It was awesome. But um, yeah, I don't think any of the, any of the things we knew about Neil before, none, none of them were red flags. And I do agree with the, the sort of playing like a small school. Um, I do feel like when we play with the lead, we play that's, you know, some variation of scared, scared to, to put the foot on the pedal, scared to, you know, go for the final blow. It's just like, oh, let's just grind it out. Let's just, you know, get to the finish line here. We only need to win by a point. It's, you know, it's it's kind of that that different mentality. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, yeah, when, you, when you're going to be looking at, if you're going to be going from the G5 level, I know you talked about would we look at somebody, you know, a P5 coordinator or something like that. Um, you know, that would be the difference. Um, but a lot of G5 coaches are going to have a pretty similar – profile as we saw with Neil when he came in what do you guys um so we've kind of had both over the last uh well this century we've we've had a good kind of dipped our toe on both sides do you prefer your head coach to be an offensive guy or a defensive guy um because so Neil has obviously the reputation of being an offensive guy um came in called the plays for three years I think we can say that he's not he's not really one in the way that you would think of like a Lincoln Riley or a Ryan Day or, you know, guys who are out there calling their own plays and, like, obviously offensive savants who can hang 40 on anybody. Um, but what is, like, what is your preference generally uh, in terms of having, you know, what you, what you would want your head coach to be? For me, it's offense. Offense is fun. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I feel like it is easier to be an offensive head coach and say, hey, Tony, hey, 100%. You know, Jordan, hey, whoever – the defense is yours. You tell me what you, what what you need. I'll go get it. But that's your side of the ball, and I don't want to worry about it. Whereas, for a defensive guy needing to worry about the offense, you know, because that's what you see with guy with defensive coordinators who become head coaches is that they always favor their defense, and then you end up with Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, man, we had 140 yards of offense, and we won a game seven to three, and it's just. Unless you can prove to me that that's what you're going to do year in and year out, you're going to have a top five defense and you can you can win every game like that. It's you know it, it's boring. It's not fun. Um, 
you know, and it's not sustainable. It's certainly not sustainable at West Virginia because you're not going to get the blue the the blue chip defensive linemen. You're not going to get the blue chip linebackers that you need to be that type. But I feel like you can get a blue chip quarterback and a blue chip wide receiver, and you can develop. You can go get a couple speedy guys, and you can go put forty points on somebody, and then tell this defensive coordinator, "Hey, make up a unique scheme. Figure out a way to, to slow. The, all I need you to do is get three possessions. I need you to steal two." steal a possession and take away a possession each half and I can win a game for you. And I feel like that's easier to do. Yeah, I agree. I, I would definitely lead offense. I mean, that that's just the way the game is going. Um, and, you know, it's just if you have a potent offense, if you're Oklahoma or something, you tend to not get in as much trouble as teams when you have to grind it out. There can be more variance, like one busted play against Iowa for that FCS team. They would have lost. Um, you know, I, I think just having a having a productive offense is is probably more preferable, but also, you know, one thing I, you know, they, they say about saving is, is sort of understanding your hires and your, your people and understanding he Saban likes guys who are really, really good at a specific thing. And, you know, I did think Neil did a great thing and you're know, stepping away from play calling and understanding that. Um, but really being able to see that full picture of like, okay, I am this guy, I'm calling the plays. Like I need to get a defensive guy and like, not saying don't get involved, but you know, being able to assemble those pieces and, and sort of understand the full picture. Because um, if nobody ever told me Neil Brown was an offensive guy, I wouldn't believe it watching the first three years of him at West Virginia. You know, I mean, the offense was, was boring and not good. So, you know, I, I think that was a blind spot in, in sort of his oversight. Yeah. All right. Well, do we want to anything else on Neil or do we want to talk about Towson for 45 seconds? Yeah, let's do the 45-second pre- uh, preview of Towson. I- I'm feeling I – th- I think that was cathartic. It was good to-, to get it out. I don't know if there's anything else, but – I've exhaled um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Thanks, just guys. Got to always talk a little reason down. You get on too many message boards, and, um, yeah, just th- things stop making sense. So, you know. Yeah, let's uh, – you have anything on Towson, Jordan? I have Towson at 2-0. and They beat Bucknell 14-13 to 13 in overtime. So, um you know, not a very high-scoring game there. Then they beat Morgan State last weekend, 29-21. The one uh, note that I did have is that their uh, their quarterback – so let me pull up the name here. I had it up. Tyrell Pigrome. Uh, so he's, he's, he's the quarterback, but he's also their second-leading rusher, um, averaging five yards a carry. Uh, we obviously did not handle – Jalen Daniels very well. So if you're looking at something, you're looking for something to get mad about next weekend, probably that guy's going to extend drives and be a nuisance. And we're going to be sitting here thinking like, why in the hell can't we get Towson off the field the same way we were Kansas? Um, that's, that's my note. Just they, they run, they run zone read, they run quarterback runs. So get ready to rip some of your hair out at, at certain points of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I ideally, you know, I felt this way about Kansas, but I want this game to be over early and, uh, you know, cycle some guys in and um, use this as an extended week to prepare for VT because, you know, Neil's coaching for his seat at this point. Um, I, I don't anticipate any troubles with Talzin, but uh, you better damn sure be ready to play in Blacksburg on a Thursday night. Not a fun environment to be playing for your job, though. If you lose, you get the best job in all of sports, which is the fired coach. Um, you get yeah. a lot of free time and a lot of money. Twenty million dollar um, paycheck. There are worse gigs out there. <laughs> what? Um, you know, oh, thing I'm hoping about Towson is this may be our one chance to get to see Nico. You know. Yeah. You, you yeah. know your business. You do things right. JT plays a quarter. Green plays a quarter. Crowder plays a quarter, and we may finally get to see, you know, what we're looking at in 2023. So that's yep. my hope for Towson. Yep. That's what I was going to kind of ask. Like, what would, def- like, hopefully we can say this is a guaranteed win. Um, but, like, what would you, what would you consider a, success- a successful game against Towson uh, aside from beating them badly? I think, yeah, seeing, seeing uh, some of the other quarterbacks would be good. Um, and then I think for, for me, it's, I, I, I got to see some of these young dudes in the secondary. You know, Jacoby Spells was the highest rated player in this class. Um, Mumu was, you know, a, a high three-star, um, Christian Stokes was a high three-star who I think he's, I think he's back healthy again. Um, and it's like, I want to see, I want to see those guys. Cause the secondary we've been running out there effing sucks. You can't play a walk on, you can't play Malachi Ruffin. Um, you know, I know he's a good program guy, 
but there's a reason he was a walk-on, right? He's not good enough to be playing at the power five level. Um, he's a nice guy to have in the program. He's a nice guy to throw out there on the scout team, but like I need to, I need to see these young guys get some run in the secondary. Um, you know, I don't want to hear how well they're doing and all this stuff through fall camp, through summer workouts, all this stuff. And then we're just, we're just not going to see him for the first two weeks of the season. So, um, for me, I think that's, that's, that's what I'd like to see this week. I'd say success to me, um, hard to quantify, but I I just want to see the look of a focused team, um, who looks like has been hearing it all week and understands, um, you know, sort of what's in front of them. You know, I don't expect them to, to fear this opponent per se, uh, but I hope that the, you know, the discipline or the attention to detail, whatever it is that, you know, we've been lacking. Um, I just hope to see some sort of focus of like, you know, maybe some roster spots or some playing time is up for grabs. Um, I'm sure there are. I mean, I'm sure some positions in the secondary, you know, some guys are playing. You would for, hope. You would. Yeah. You, somebody, you know, that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I, I, some, some, you know, it's one of those things you see it in the eyes. I just want to see some, some guys focused and, and just playing like clean, smart you know, technically sound football be fine with me. Not an interesting game. See me go chuck it a few times. I'd be plenty fine with that. Yeah. Yep. For me, I just, I want to see us look like a power five team taking on an FCS team. I want last year when we played LIU, we couldn't run the ball. Like it was miserable and you kind of knew something was wrong there. I want to see us run these guys over. I want to see CJ Donaldson have a hundred yards on the first four carries. JT Daniels has two touchdowns on his first three throws. And we look like, yeah, we're the better team. We're pissed off. It's been a bad two weeks. I'm sorry for being here, but you're getting your butt kicked today. Yeah. You're being well compensated for it. You want to hear it? You want to hear some bullshit? So I had a parlay uh, on Saturday uh, Bryce Ford Whedon, anytime touchdown score. CJ Donaldson, anytime touchdown score. Credit to my buddy uh, for throwing this one out there. JT plus two fifty passing yards and WVU minus six and a half. And we hit that. We hit those. We hit those three in the third quarter. And I'm just like riding high. Had it. It was like plus eleven hundred too. So it was going to be like a big hit. And then we lost. Oh, the one you probably feel the most comfortable about coming into the game. Yeah, hundred percent. Right, hundred percent. It's like it's like we're gonna beat him by a touchdown. How the fuck can we not beat him by a touchdown? Oh my god! So you know, cool. Don't gamble, kids. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all. You guys have anything else you want to throw out there? Um, so yeah, you can get at us on smokingmusket.com. Um, read some articles Jordan and Jake have been writing. Um, we have a. Twitter account for the pod. It's at West by pod with underscores. Um, and yeah, special thanks to Jake tonight for jumping on and, you know, sort of, sort of going through this, this process with us. I think we needed a little support tonight. So for um, sure, for sure good to have you on and yeah, um, we'll uh, West by pod will be back next week doing a preview for VT. It's an early one on Thursday night. So pod will be out early in the week. Uh, be looking for it. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yep. Take care. One, two, three,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.